Uh, during this month, we've been talking from Luke 15, and from Luke 15, we've seen how the Father heart of God is longs to find lost sheep, uh, this is a metaphor, lost coins, and uh, children who have gone astray as well. And all of this brings us to a picture that lost people matter to God. So shouldn't they matter to us? That's the question we're asking. And then we have different uh, partners that we partner with in missions across the lower mainland as well as across the world. Uh, we heard from Andreas Russell who's partnering, we partner with him and the navigators as they work with college students and university students in, in Canada. And then last week we heard from Brad Kenny, who is part of uh, working with refugees in the lower mainland here through Journey Home Community. This week we get to hear from uh, David and Judy Owens. They are in Tanzania. So in case you're wondering where that is, there's Africa for you. And there's an arrow that points there to uh, Tanzania. You can see down there. And then we'll zoom in there and there's another, there's Tanzania. And Arusha, you can see that's where they are. That's the one that's highlighted, the big city uh, listed there. And you can see it's pretty close uh, to Kenya there. But they're actually known a lot because they're kind of the backyard to, the, to Mount... Uh, go ahead and put the other one up there. To Mount Kilimanjaro. So that's what they get to see. And that's their backyard right there, actually. <laughs> Not really. I haven't seen their backyard, but... Uh, they do live at a fairly high altitude, uh, and so that's where they've been. Now, some of you may be wondering, who are David and Judy Owens, and why do we partner with them? Back in uh, the 2000s, they were called to plant a church um, or begin part, uh, be, be leading a church in South Vancouver, the Vancouver, South Vancouver Vineyard, and, uh, and they just lived around the corner from us. In 2007, uh, they left that church and were seeking what God would have for them next. And because they were just around the corner and they knew a few people here, they decided to come and join us here. And uh, they needed a place. They needed a community. Uh, I talked with them this week about this. And they said that coming here to ECC for them was just a healing bomb for them. They just felt so loved and cared for here. And they stayed about a year. And then God called them to uh, Tanzania. So they've been there for a little over 15 years now. And I think in some way or the other, we've been partnering with them in that time. And we just feel a kinship with them. Not only were they our neighbors and they were here with us for a bit, but we continue to feel that kinship with them as they serve at a vineyard church in Arusha as well. So we are going to try to throw them up uh, on the screen here in Zoom. Karen Gunn maybe needs to spotlight them. Uh, we were having problems earlier. So uh, no promises, but uh, we're going to give it a try here. Uh, and we kind of got them up there. Let's see if we can get them bigger there. There we go. So can you guys hear me? You can. Okay, so we can't hear you. Are you unmuted on your end? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to um, kind of sit down over here on the front row. David and Judy, and let you guys share, but if you have any questions, you can ask me, and I'll pop on the microphone. How's that sound? Did you that guys... Sounds great. That sounds great. Right. Uh, we, I'm trying to, we're trying to figure out which laptop is working, is working for sound. I think that one. So I'll just close this. I think, I think we're okay. Uh, okay. Close that. Yep. Right. Can you hear us now, still? Yes, you can, Yes, you can. Okay, great. All right. So, um, 
it's wonderful to be part of your service, guys. And we really enjoyed being able to be part of the worship and see you all guys take communion. And um, yeah, it was really nostalgic for us. And we're thinking we'd really love to come back. Okay. We we have um, so many relatives around the world. And so it's always very difficult for us to decide we get one trip a year, where where will we go? So um, yeah, we have family in Australia. We have family in um, Belfast, in the US, um, uh, Guernsey. So, you know, but we would love to be able to come back and visit and we're planning to come back hopefully by the end of the year, if not next year to visit ACC. Um, I think we wanted to um, launch in straight into our um, message tonight. Did yeah. you want to watch the the video first? Yeah, I was thinking we have, we've been tracking with your series on the lost um, coin, lost sheep, etc. And when we were looking at that, we were thinking, well, probably the thing that's closest to that that we have done very recently was an outreach that we did, which is about an hour and a half from our church to an area that is a Maasai area. And although this isn't very typical for us, it is every Christmas we would do an outreach and. The reason that we would consider this um, a place to go is because the there are um, a lot of very vulnerable children. They have quite a lot of malnutrition in the area, and got a warm contact. And there, yeah, we have a warm contact there. So we prepared a video so that you could you could see this outreach that we just did, and then um, we wanted to just chat a little bit more about that after you've seen it. So if we could watch the video, Ken. Father, I pray your blessing and protection over the trip. I pray for the time up there in Longido with Edinaja. Uh, Those children and adults would know how much you love them, how precious they are. Thank you for the invitation to be expressions of love. So thank you, Lord, for yourself and your presence for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. By preparing the place to do the food distribution, uh, but hand in hand, uh, starting the games for kids, and uh, just by seeing we have got so many kids, we are continuing doing everything.
Thank you. Great. Um, so we couldn't actually hear anything on the video. I hope I hope you heard there was a, a sound for you guys. Um, and so we do this at Christmas, and it's probably not very typical of what we do because it's most definitely aid, and it's very important because um, a lot of those children, we said like 45 of them would have been, would have had severe mal malnutrition. And so we, we are making sure that we are doing um, nutritional food for the families and we are, um, that there was, yeah, that we're, we're reaching out in those ways, but we're also praying for the families and providing hope. I think for us, it's more important that we are doing, um, Look, digging a bit deeper. So, for instance, every time we've been out there, we have faced with many children with malnutrition. So why are they always, why is that always the case? And, and what are the underlying issues would be more where David and I would be, and our church would be thinking, why is it that um, children, and some of the reasons for this is because um, if you ever go to a Maasai meeting and they have, they will have food every time. And the people that get served first are the men and the men serve themselves and they serve themselves huge plates of food. Um, next to come up and get food would be the women. And there's, you know, it's very, it's, it's like the food's already um, diminished and there's not that much. And by the time the children get up there, there's very little food and they're like picking off the bits off the pots and things. So the value of children and the value of women would be something that we would be um, looking to uh, have some impact upon. And so we do have a group here in our church and a group that I've been part of, which is um, looking at women's rights and children's rights and how we can help the culture begin to value children more and value their needs um, and not just always put the men first. So I think there's a lot of, so even though they're vulnerable, I think, and we want to do aid every Christmas we do this, we want to have um, more long lasting impact. And so some of these issues that are, it's complicated some of these issues and um, we like going to this place because the the children have a pastor and she's a female pastor um she's a, a she's, actually, woman. she's actually um the the mother of our of our um administrator and she's it's very unusual for a maasai woman to be a pastor and she is very strong and a really gifted and got a real passion for these kids mm -hmm. and so what we're doing uh, following, we took one of our trainers up there who is going to be a, starting a, a sustainable agriculture thing there with uh, small gardens that uh, uh, that actually address malnutrition. It's not just feeding people, but it's actually doing uh, growing the, the plants that are growable in that particular area to uh, to kind of build strong immune systems and that. So this is a longer term thing that we're doing. Uh, as of this year so we're we're excited about that mm -hmm. so yeah but i think the other thing we wanted to um talk about was that here mm -hmm. uh, another way that we're addressing the lost is that because of david's journey so he was actually away from the lord mm -hmm. um and um, we're going to get him to share about being a prodigal returning um and how that has um fed into some of the programs that we're currently running in our church. Yeah, so I, I was I was born in Switzerland, Canadian parents, um, educated in Wales and moved to Australia when I was 18. Uh to actually I was kind of got mixed up in a group uh 
uh, that was started by an alliance pastor that actually in over a period of years became a cult and so i was very it was kind of strange this kind of really solid um a solid theologically solid group and had this rogue pastor um and i got mixed up with them and it was it was a wonderful two years but i was i i sensed that there was something just a little bit off and so i was very careful about it left school to join them uh they're a group called the children of god some of you would would be familiar with it but um being the solution from that i i headed off to australia and uh, just was determined to become an atheist. But that didn't work. Uh, I was, the fact that I spent seven years at it was just, uh, was was not really reflective of the serious thought that I was putting into my life. Um, I was just enjoying being a, a black sheep of the family, I think, and sowing my wild oats. But in my teens prior to this, uh, my parents were very close to um, uh, another family that had come out around the same time, 1951-52, and they were the Schaefers, Francis and Edith Schaefer, and they started this group called um, Labrie. So in in my time there, in my teens, I got to spend, I would go and spend two or three days at a time and, and just get to be listening and wrestling through some, you know, apologetics and that. So... As I ended up in Australia, um, I, as a prodigal, it was just interesting thinking through this, listening to um, Andreas and um, and the other brother from Journey Home. Uh, that, that was just inspiring to hear um, his story as well. Um, I I had very little contact with my parents. I very rarely write letters and that. I was really on the go. But my dad would just pray passionately. During seven years, I hardly had any contact with any Christians, interestingly enough. Very, very little. But God was doing stuff in my life. So when I finally came back to the Lord, um, uh, I, I, I headed home, and boy, the reception was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my my dad sat me down and said, okay, David, um, I've got about five different dates I want to talk about while you're away. Um, I was woken up in the middle of the night on these different dates. And I... Uh, there were three of those that I could that I could uh, I remember. Mm -hmm. And um, one was I was looking to get involved with transcendental meditation. This is in Sydney. And I, 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 I tried, but the TA had closed down for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you close down a kind of a religious thing? Well, they closed down for two weeks, and, and this was the time, the window that I had in order to connect with them, and I got distracted after that. Another time, I was trying to get into the uh, Divine Light Mission, and I went to one of their introductory uh, uh, sessions, and it kind of it was a very large thing, and they were really out to recruit. And it, it was uh, for those of you who don't know it, it's um, it's a Eastern Eastern group. And uh, when I was there, I walked in, and nobody could see me. I, I walked there. I was trying to connect with people. I was totally ignored. I was a little offended, and but I, I went into the main session and. Um, 
this guy got up and he was just terrible. He just was sniffing and kind of almost burping and going, going on about couldn't, didn't have a clear thought, couldn't communicate really well. He was really confused and people were looking confused around because he was supposed to be the front man. And so I couldn't take it anymore. It was annoying me so much. So I went out to the, uh, to the foyer to talk to the, the key people before behind the info desk and they totally ignored me. They were talking about their whatever they were doing during the week. And there I was clearing my throat trying to get. I walked away just so mad and offended that. And uh, the, the third time was when I was driving, uh, riding my bike to uh, motorbike to work. And um, I had a smash and it, I ran straight into the side of a panel van. And there was just it, it was there were so many factors in there uh, that uh, contributed to my survival uh one was the hole in the side of the panel van was just big enough to fit my head uh so when i hit my head went through and i had a full 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 face, uh, full face helmet and i hadn't had it strapped on and so when i bounced back out it caught and it fell off inside and um there's just it, it was just amazing just how i knew that god was so present in in the context of my living, that this prodigal was not one. I was a prodigal who was not chased by the father. I wasn't the lost sheep. There was very much the prayers of my father and and relatives. So I, I really want to encourage you, if you've got loved ones that are uh, away from the Lord, the power of prayer is is beyond our wildest imagination. But so um, as things uh, uh, kind of wound up, uh, as I got more serious about my uh, looking into my faith journey, um, I, I would look into other religions and, and so forth, and I was really trying to find an alternative to Jesus Christ. And what annoyed me was Jesus kept popping up in all these religions and philosophies, and they, they had a high view of him. And I thought, well, actually, you know, he's either true, you know, C.S. Lewis is, you know, he's the liar, lunatic, or Lord kind of thing. I, I uh, didn't know that terminology back then, even though C.S. Lewis was very instrumental in my my coming back to the Lord. But, but um it was, I'd listen, you know, I'd be asking, seeing gurus and all of that. And, um, and they just, uh, they, their answers to my serious questions just were just so, so shallow and just didn't have it. So it, I look back to the, the time that I had spent at Labrie to the serious conversations I'd had with my father, with other people in, um, sorry, we've got a dog that's <laughs> trying to get in uh other um serious conversations with people who had, had come through our home and leaders of ministries and that and that had established something in me in my thinking that i just couldn't ignore and so the, our journey uh in uh in church and ministry for the last 40 years or so uh, started in the airlines where we uh, i came back to the lord while i was flying as a flight attendant with Qantas. And there was just as just it, there was a mini revival during uh, those six years, um, and we ended up seeing so many people, uh, flight attendants, pilots, ground staff coming to the Lord, and uh, it, we just engaged them, just in we just walked with them. We didn't have programs for them to go, and so 
that has really affected our approach to church planting, to um, uh, outreach, and and we're uh, what has kind of develop has been developing over the last um, probably the last six years specifically is a center for for people where we have we do have a congregation on site a sunday congregation but um we've uh, the, we've got a um a uh, an academic track which is african source theology and holistic ministry it's it's an academic a, a diploma and and certificate track the certificate is in swahili the diploma is is in english and it is very engaging and it's uh, something that if you if you're interested, I could just uh, send you more information on it. But the whole thing is about dealing, looking at at um, faith through the lens of the culture, and drawing from what the culture is already saying about the faith. So it's 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 fascinating to see the depth, like reading. The Bible through a, an African lens, a worldview, is like reading 3D. The African worldview is much closer to Hebrew worldview than the West will ever be, and so what you're see, what you're you're seeing is so much more depth. It's it's kind of brings such color to it, and it's it's so deeply about um, relationship with with each other and the the implications of that with the creator god so um this is a place where you know my what we're just seeing these young adults we've the the we started when we first joined the church um there was about 180 people i didn't want a pastor we'd been waiting 26 years to to go to the mission field and finally get the the, the open door and we come and and we're being offered a, a white church. It was an expat church with four Africans, and that's it. They were all white. There were there were no no Indians, no uh, other. This was a, a Caucasian church. And I'm going, why didn't I stay in Vancouver? No, waited all this time to come to to Africa. But it was a wonderful experience. And it was, God was doing great thing amongst these expats. But the church over time has has become uh, much more English speaking Af- um, Tanzanian, with emerging leaders uh, that are basically the the core of our the main demographic are the eighteen to thirty fives. Um, business, uh, young adults, and, and that. And these people are coming to the table asking really hard questions. You are not invited to ask questions in in certainly the Tanzanian education system. So if you ask a, a question at school, um, that reflects badly on the teacher, and you will literally be punished for it in most cases. And so critical thinking is is not something that is valued Rote learning is what what is expected. So, creating a space here for um, for people to ask questions that they've never gotten to ask before is is so new. Uh, it's uh, and and people just come to church to look and watch and and say what you you can talk during the service. You I mean you can ask questions. You can uh, you have breakout sessions about these these things and. Um, uh, I've always been told you can't do breakout sessions if you have a church over a hundred. Um, I always kind of like it when people say you can't do something. 
I don't know, it must be the rebel in me, but but it's um it, it's great. It's it's real, it's messy, and and we uh, we enjoy it because we are engaging people uh where they're at and where the, the, the our goal our uh, our, our stated goal is to become a safe place of the of the broken, uh, not a safe place for the broken. That would suggest that we're okay, and you know we no no it's uh, yeah. it's we are together. We're all broken. We're all in a journey together, and we can learn from each other. Nobody is the authority in the room, and so um, so it's been a great. So so we're in the course of of building the center. Um, and for people to come and do short term to create a space for leaders who have uh, uh, religious leaders who have fallen in the course of restoration to get away to get counseling to uh, find some um, uh, some safe space to be able to process their brokenness and and come into healing and a number of other things that just naturally come out of creating a space like this. Mm -hmm. Did I cover it? I think we did. I think we covered it. Um, of course, we're open to questions, or uh, and um, I know we have some prayer points that we wanted to share with you. Um, do we want to talk it. about the? That's, I think, yeah, that's it. Maybe we just are so grateful for um, uh, you as a church partnering mm -hmm. with us in this. We really feel. Um, as, as Ken said before, it was such a healing time for us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. and we, you know, there, uh, Judy comes from the Plymouth Brethren, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the more strict side of the Plymouth Brethren, you notice that she's, she is no longer wearing her hat and uh, short hair. To speak. And she can speak. She's allowed to speak. Uh, but she came out of the very, very strict. And I came from the open brethren. And so we kind of swore that we'd never get back into the brethren, you know, I mean, our, our own journeys in that. And here we found ourselves in this beautiful, warm, accepting, uh, supposedly Plymouth Brethren roots church and I, I still don't believe it, but um, <laughs> I like it. So yeah, thank you for your support. I mean, and um, we get, of course, we get all of your newsletters and we follow that. And also, um, we when we're there, we've had um, been the men's breakfast. Yeah, and Nels has also been reaching out to us and and checking on us. And, and so we feel um, we do still feel really connected, even though we're far away and. Obviously, you're very welcome to come. Oh yes, and visit and observe what we're doing. It's interesting for okay. us because we are uh, pastors here, which is interesting. If you're a missionary and a pastor in thing and in Tanzania, you it's not legal. You're not legally allowed to earn money. You're not actually allowed to get a. So we do receive a stipend from our church, and so we have to be very careful how that. It's like a small donation from our church. And so that's why your financial support has meant so much to us because um, the rest of the money that the church comes in, it goes to different staff people and it goes to different programs, mm. but we ourselves are not um, allowed to get a, a salary. So we um, we thank you so much for, for the way that you do support us, not just financially, but obviously in prayer. And um, we know um, a number of you receive our newsletter and um, 
yeah, we're very, very grateful yeah. for you guys. Yeah. So Thanks, thank guys. You. Can you can you guys hear me? Yes, and and part of the center is the the was the the vision is bringing in mentors, uh, seasoned people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will just share their lives. It's not just about coming and lecturing. They they could be teaching in the academic in the uh, school of ministry and on Sunday, but it's it's a place where creating space and it's already happening to some degree, where just fireside chats and and uh, uh, th- those times are 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 very often far more life changing mm-hmm. than your formal teaching times. And so we are just praying about the right people to just come and hang, and be be with uh, with us and with our with our community, our faith community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.